why losing yourself is so important. Because the story that's needing to be told right then may not be the story that you were ready to tell. Hmm. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the End of the Road, a podcast brought to you by the Wrangell Mountain Center with a generous grant from the Alaska State Council on the Arts and from our supporters in Alaska and around the globe. We thank you. I'm Michelle McAfee. And I'm John Erdman, Executive Director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting people with wild lands through art, science, and education in Alaska. This is part two of our discussion with professional storyteller Jack Dalton. We launched into quite the fascinating discussion in part one when I asked Jack, what do you look for in a good story? I don't have a criteria for what's a good story, mm. but I can hear a story and be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say one of the telltale signs to me of a story or an experience of a story that may not be as good is overconfidence. Because you get people who are so confident in their story and their ability to tell it. I see it in writers as well. People will be like, you know, could you read this for me? You know, and the person who's really overconfident and I just read a few pages and I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> versus the shy person who's talking to me and I have to coax out, like, have you written something? Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. May I read it? Mm. No, okay. And I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, why aren't you, why aren't you published? <laughs> <laughs> why can't the confident people be such good writers? <laughs> <laughs> but they're writing from a different place, right? I don't care if they write from a different place. Just <laughs> be good at it if you're going to be confident in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry to be blunt, but that's mm. what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A good storyteller. Monty's a good example of this. He may be up there pulling imagination from a thousand miles away while he's telling his story. He's humble. He's humble doesn't matter how confident he seems while he's performing who he is as a human being is humble that comes through exactly because in the end a good storyteller connects everyone to them in some way storytelling is an incredibly human act because it's it's a human sharing something to another human and the way those two humans have a shared experience is to connect. Mm -hmm. Now, the way you connect to my story, you might be connecting to the uh, anthropological aspect of my story. Or this person over here thinks it's the funniest thing they've ever listened to. You know, that's why losing yourself is so important. Because the story that's needing to be told right then may not be the story that you were ready to tell. 
is there anxiety when you realize that, no, it's another story I need to tell, not the one I've prepared and that I'm ready for? There's one example of, even though I knew that I needed a certain story, whatever it was, and I knew walking up onto the stage, I didn't have that story yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I wasn't... Walking up to the stage. Literally (laughs) walking up onto the stage. I had no idea what I was going to (laughs) say. No clue. And kind of at that moment, I'm just like, okay, anytime now. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) The people are ready. So I wasn't in a place of, well, I'm going to tell this story. And then realized it was different. I just knew I was supposed to tell a story. And it wasn't there yet. And it was the Alaska Librarians Association. And so in my head, as I'm walking up on the stage, I'm like, times are changing. Libraries are changing. And I think what I asked myself was, what hasn't changed? And in the moment I asked myself, what haven't changed? Boom, there it was. Raven was the first librarian. So I can now tell the creation legend of the Yupik people, where Raven meets the first human being and helps the first human being to survive in this new habitat. Raven was the first librarian. Because what do librarians do? They help us to find what we need to continue with our work. Raven helped first human being to find the information he needed in order to survive. And it was really interesting because I've never been good at an India Indian accent. But for some reason there was an Indian man ready to talk. <laughs> and so mr india was like the narrator or the the host of this story funneling through you funneling through me through your body through my body Uh you know providing humor and context for the librarians wow yeah so I went from not knowing what I was going to do to like having the concept, having the story, and then this other character that I've never been able to do before arrives and helps out. Yeah, we were talking the other night about uh, some of the different characters that, that come through and you're oh, yeah. telling. Yeah. It, it sounds like that's kind of a, a treat to see what kind of personalities emerge through your stories. Well, there usually aren't a whole... There's not a wide variety. Like, Mr. India was unique. Mm. You know, the one that almost always is there is Grunkle Jerome. (laughs) You know. uh, Great Uncle Jerome. And he's the elder voice that is able to say things that I can't say. And there's a lot that needs to be said that I can't say. (laughs) So, and he can say anything and he can get away with it. And I have gotten away with saying things that if people only realized 
that the character Jack Dalton is playing, but that's still Jack Dalton saying it. <laughs> I would get in trouble. I'm surprised I haven't gotten in trouble. <laughs> Especially back when I was in my 30s. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm 49 now, so I can kind of get away with saying certain things. But in my 30s, I couldn't get away with it all. Grunkle Jerome was born, actually, this is interesting, um, was born out of being invited to perform at a suicide prevention conference. And that there would be a bunch of suicide survivors in the audience. I could identify with them because I'm a suicide survivor. But I'm thinking storytelling? What story do you tell to a bunch of suicide survivors and counselors that are there to help them out? And I'm like, I need help. <laughs> and there was Grunkle Jerome. Because I remember hearing elders say things like, you know, listen up. You kids, do your schoolwork, listen to your teacher, respect your parents. So Grunkle Jerome pops out with the microphone in my hand and he says, Hey, you kids, listen up, do your homeworks, listen to your teachers. Respect your parents. Don't suicide yourselves. And I said, don't suicide yourselves. And the whole audience of like 150 people bursts into laughter. <laughs> wow. And I was shocked that I could say something like, don't suicide yourselves. I mean, a really serious topic to people who have tried to suiciding themselves in the past and the counselors who are trying to keep it from happening again. And they all laughed. And it was later that night, driving home, I gave Grunkle Jerome a name. <laughs> because <laughs> I knew he was going to be a valuable character to to have in my in my pocket and and Grunkle Jerome is named after my actual Grunkle Jerome who I met for the first time when I was 26 years old going out to the village for the first time and my aunt picked me up at the airport a mile from the start of the village the village is then another mile and a half long. And she brought me in by four-wheeler. And she says, oh, let's let's stop and, and meet your meet your granty and grunkle. And I was, I was what's a granty and grunkle? Oh, your great aunt and your great uncle. Granty and grunkle. So we go in there, and the only person there at the time was Jerome. And he was combing his hair at a mirror. And my aunt, Ack, said, Jerome, meet your great nephew. And Grunkle Jerome turns around and looks at me, and I look at him, and it's like looking at a time mirror. 
And I thought, that's what I'm going to look like when I'm 75 years old. <laughs> like, that's how related we were. Is that we looked the, we looked the same. And so when I needed a name for this character, I'm like, well, I'm playing a character that's me who's an elder. Of course it's going to be Jerome. Do you think he had the opposite feeling that he saw you and saw himself when he was young? Do you have any sense of that? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. He probably looked at me and was like, great, another one. <laughs> Do your homework. Do your homework. <laughs> Listen to your teachers. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. <laughs> kind of been talking a lot and I think you talked about it even specifically you know towards the beginning of our discussion but just this idea of like stories and healing oh yeah I mean and there's so much we could talk about with that but yeah I'm, I'm intrigued by that just that idea even thinking about like communities mm -hmm. you know, how can communities heal through stories oh yeah you know yeah mm, to me just my personal feeling to me, probably 90-95% of issues within a community or a family or whatever have to do with people not listening to each other. And what happens is there's this buildup of mistrust because I tried to tell you what I'm going through, my experience of this, whether sometimes it involves you, and so therefore... I'm telling this to you to try and get reparations from you. Or you're just part of the community I'm telling you because I need some kind of feedback. Preferably being on my side. And then when that system's not working, the second system kicks in. Gossip. Another form of storytelling. It's another form of storytelling. When I ask audiences how many of you are storytellers and only a few of them raise their hands, I'm like, you're all lying. Because <laughs> you all gossip. <laughs> and I bet you're really good at it, too. It makes you a really good storyteller. <laughs> Exactly. Did you hear that? <laughs> exactly. Did you hear? <laughs> right. I mean, we should be encouraging people to tell gossip stories at Tall Tales. <laughs> should we? <laughs> well, half of gossip is a tall tale. True. True. Probably 90% of gossip is a tall tale. There's a lot of tall tales. There's exaggeration. There's there's uh, overestimating and this and that to try and get you because what's trying to happen is I'm trying to get you to to believe me and be on my side and I'll do whatever I have to lie cheat and steal to get you to be on my side. That's why gossip isn't called storytelling. <laughs> it's called gossip for a reason. <laughs> 
That's fascinating. Yeah. I, I've never really thought about it from yeah. that perspective. But that's like sort of the opposite of, of healing a community exactly. with stories. Is tearing it apart with stories. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. All because we don't feel heard. So, you're not listening to me, so I'm going to go and tell my friend what I feel about all this. And hope that that friend is on my side. Mm. And we'll build up this secret army over here. And meanwhile, you're not feeling hurt either. So you go to your friends, and you build up your secret army there. Maybe I try to steal some from your army. Try and steal some from over... I mean, it's just... it's. Everywhere. <laughs> and especially these days, it seems. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, on all levels of society. Absolutely. You, I feel like you can see that where people, I'm not heard, I'm not heard, so let me gather together the people that are on my side. And right. I, I haven't really thought about it in that way. Like, the gossip is that destructive end, and then there's the healing end of storytelling. Well, and our communities are so used to a certain way of living mm-hmm. That everyone knows what gossip is. Mm. You can walk down the street and ask people about gossip and define gossip and they'll tell you. You know, ask them what it... We don't even have a a name for a healing form of story. Wow. (laughs) Mm. Don't even have a name for it. So how can people know what it is and and use it Mm. if it doesn't even exist? And yet, stories do heal us. They do, yes. What strikes me right now is thinking of, like, how familiar we are with the destructive side of storytelling and gossip and how unfamiliar we are with the healing power of stories. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. and this might be some wishful thinking on my part, but when I worked with school kids... So I taught creative writing in artist residencies uh, around Alaska and around the world. Um, 35,000 kids learned how to be a creative writer from me. And one of the things we do is I have them call out different kinds of feelings. And then I would write them on the board. And they would call out given the chance, 100, 150 feeling words. And then we'd analyze the feeling words. And one of the things I would say is, do you think our list here has more positive feeling words or negative feeling words? Kids would look at it and they'd say, it has more negative feeling words. And I'd ask, why do you think that is? And they'd just be trying to figure it out because pointing that out kind of pokes at their pride a little bit. (laughs) Like, oh, we're negative people. We're bad people. And I said, do you know, if we counted them all out, the split would probably be about 70-30. negative words to 30% positive words. I'm like, why do you think that is? And then we would talk about how when you're going through life and you have a positive experience, you have a word for it. Happy. Good. Whatever. And that word 
would have to describe quite a large part of your time. Because we are, by and large, 80% happy in our lives. We're so happy all the time, we don't even think about it. In fact, asked how happy we've been in the last week, we'd probably say, oh, only about 30% of the time. I'm like, well, why? Well, because this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and they just list off all the bad things that happened in their lives. With all those bad feeling words. I said, okay, well then what's the, why do we have? Why can we not remember the good times and only remember the bad times? And thank goodness there was always a kid in the in the group that would say, well, we wanted to learn from it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there you go. And how do we learn from our mistakes? You have to remember that you had a mistake. So you have to be very specific about describing that mistake. So then we created a bunch of negative feeling words so that we could very distinctly describe our negative experiences so that we could remember our negative experiences so they wouldn't happen again. And then our elders, our ancestors, took it a step further. They took all those negative feeling words and put them into stories about a character who makes mistakes and has to learn from their mistakes. And by doing that, we don't have to have those negative experiences ourselves because we learn from this fictional character who had the same negative experiences that we've had. And by identifying with that character, when they make a mistake and learn from it, we learn from it. Over 70 years ago, in Southern California, a brand new 1949 Chevy Deluxe was purchased and driven off the lot by a young woman whose wanderlust and sense of adventure would lead her to buck the conventions of marrying young and embark on road trips and excursions that would take her around the United States and beyond. Many of us are familiar with the stories of Maxine and Jim Edwards, and those of us who live in the Wrangles, at the end of the road, know our vehicles, like Maxine's 49 Chevy, have an epic story to tell. So one month, almost to the day, he pulled up in the yard with this car and it was just destroyed. If you look at the pictures, it's every panel on it is just tore apart and rips in it from, you know, where something hooked on the metal and tore it and the bumper is gone and it was a wreck. <laughs> but it was still the engine still ran. <laughs> so she couldn't have been so excited to see it. <laughs> Do you know anything about what her reaction was? No, I just can only speculate on it. It had to have been just priceless. <laughs> Anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah, right. That was Steve Edwards. Join us in episode five, where we tell the story of the Edwards family 49 Chevy. You can go to www.wrangles.org, that's Wrangles with two L's, to listen to more episodes from our podcast. At our website, you can also help support us financially, you can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, and you can check out the programs that we operate here in McCarthy during the summer. 
and visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to stay up to date on the WMC happenings and to check in on storytelling events and everything else that's going on in our community. I'm your host, John Erdman, episode writer, producer, and executive director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. And I'm your host, Michelle McAfee, episode editor and audio engineer. We also want to acknowledge David Jacob Strain for mastering this episode. Special thanks to the Alaska State Council on the Arts and to our supporters far and wide. And a hearty thank you to Jack Dalton for taking the time to talk stories with us. And thank you for joining us at the end of the road.